Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We've got the whole squad here with you today. All four of us, Jesse, Rudo, AJ, Megan, coming to you live. Going to be talking more NHL playoffs because, like, what is going on? Everything Dude, is popping great. off. It's been great. It's a little bit wild. Uh, lots of stuff to get into, though. Starting with the Eagles season did come to an end Friday night in spectacularly catastrophic fashion. Are you under attack right now? <laughs> I'm a li- but honestly, they deserve the call out. They were not the significantly worse team. They made boneheaded mistakes more than once allowing shorthanded goals in this series. I don't want to say they deserve the fate they got because Joey Decord just played extremely well too, but they did not get production where they needed it. I still have a lot of excitement around this Eagles group moving forward, but this season also just needed to end for the Eagles in a way because they've been dealing with a lot of the same chaos that the Avs have been dealing with. It felt like they were just finally beginning to find their footing, but this is a group that had five new players dropped in the lineup at the end of the season. So they enter the playoffs with these guys who just got here and played in seven games. That is a lot. It's a challenge. We don't have to talk about it that much. (laughs) Uh, To me, what that means is the entire Avs organization, sorry, Utah Grizzlies, uh, is now done. (laughs) Yeah, that was sad for them, too. They also (laughs) kind of blew their playoff run. Yep. I don't revel in this. I'm sorry. I sound excited. (laughs) Hey, look, the way this season went for the Avalanche organization, maybe we should be excited that it's all in the past. They can move on from all of it entirely going forward. Do you, is, is anyone on the Avs like out? Do, I know Miko's going to IIHF, but is there anyone else actually doing stuff? As It sounds like Archery Lekkinen has a broken toe. It's just been such a rough year. Are they all sitting at home recovering or are they out they on a golf be. course yet? <laughs> That's my question. I, I, think, I think they're all at home. My guess is they're all taking a beat, yeah. taking a second. Another week, maybe, and and well, I know EJ and Newhook and McDermott were out concert. At, a, at a concert at Red Rocks over the weekend. So I think like they are starting to decompress a bit. But the fact that all those guys are still in town tells you they haven't yeah, they haven't gone fully home, settled home. into yeah. the, the off season yet. Fair enough. Not gonna not gonna Summer. push it too much on that one because this season was just brutal. That's all That's all there is to say about it at this point. I was honestly surprised that Miko was going to the World Me Championships. Too. I thought there was going to be zero abs at it. I did too, I which I would have understood. It would have been revealed in the injury report we may or may not get that <laughs> Rantanen had been battling something. I just had this sneaking suspicion, but I'm glad he wasn't. Take your dubs where you can get them, I guess, at this point. Uh, unfortunately, the abs are not in the playoffs anymore for whatever this is. I want to start here with the second round. Why are there so many goals? So it's it's hilarious you say that, Rudo, because I was thinking about that last night. Like, we're seeing a lot of blowouts. Yeah. Like, swinging blowouts. Like, the, the Tampa-Toronto series started with one. We now have seen it a little bit in Dallas-Seattle, where, like, Dallas kind of ran away with game two. Then Dallas came back, or then Seattle came back, just blew their doors off in Game Three. Uh, Carolina, New, it's it's really weird. Carolina, New Jersey's been three blowouts. Yep. Yeah, and it's just it's just odd because usually this time of year is when you see everything get tighter. 
and the scores get lower. It's a lot That's of two what I'm one, yeah. three two, uh, and, and so I don't I don't know if this is maybe just like a. I do think that part of this is what there's eight teams left. Left seven of them have huge question marks in net on any given night. Yeah, I think if you go and you look at the goaltending that is left in this postseason, kind of goes against what we have known to be true in postseason hockey for a long time of good defense, great goalie, you advance. <laughs> uh, those are the things that you really that scare you in the postseason. And then you look at this group and you're just like, uh, I and, mean, they're goalies. And you almost wonder if it is going <laughs> to come down to like the, 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 the new kind of thing is like who sticks to their structure the best. Yeah. Because like I feel like that, and I'm sure we'll get into Dallas, Seattle. But like we will. Seattle has like they've looked great through three games against Dallas, and it's it's because it's been a continuation of what I thought they did so well in the first period, where they're committed to what they're doing. Like they're bought into their systems, they're dialed in. Every guy's pulling the rope. They're getting scoring from literally everyone. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if that's the new war of attrition. Who, who gets pulled out of their system the least? I thought, too, like, of the goaltenders left, Ottinger has looked more human. But this is also a round that doesn't have a Vasilevsky or Shesterkin in it. And those are usually where you start to see those caliber goaltenders ramping things up. Mm -hmm. They're no longer a part of this conversation. It, I think that's part of it. And I think, too, of some of the teams still in this, they're really prolific teams like Edmonton that is – what makes them successful in the postseason is being able to score. And then to a different extent, Toronto in the first round, this was true. Toronto's experience, like, I find it interesting that the series that is kept the closest in terms of the goal margin is the Toronto-Florida series. Yeah. How, like weirdly how much of this is, hey, the new normal? NHL scoring has been way up this year as it is, and how much of this is a freak thing where you've seen Joe Pavelski, Leon Dreisaitl both have four goal games on the same night? Uh, I mean, I... Back-to-back -back nights and their teams lose. <laughs> right. Like, they, oh, was, it was back-to-back -back nights? I thought it was, it was even same in the night. same night. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was the same night. Two nights, one hour, yeah. one right after the other? It was back-to-back. -back. Okay. I, I, I almost yeah. think that, honestly, we were like, I, I think the answer is yes to, like, your question. Both, yeah. Right? I just think it's both. Like, you're seeing... Again, we we joked about it. In the first, like, Jared McCann scored 40 goals this year. There's, the NHL has opened up. I, I don't know what... I can't put my finger on exactly what it was that changed going into last season. Because like, it was up last year, too. Yeah, yeah. The, the NHL is just... It, it's opened up, and we keep waiting for, like, oh, here's where the games start to get a little bit tighter, You know, whether it be different checkpoints throughout the season or into the playoffs, and it's just not happening. Um, I think part of that is... You have more guys with speed and skill than ever. There's an emphasis now partially being led by the abs of run offense through your defense. You, you, you no longer have the bottom half of your forward core being made up of kind of muckers and grinders and your bottom pairing defensemen just being full stay at home, shut down guys. Like every player on the ice has to be able to contribute to some extent. Yeah, this is where I think the big change in the league and, has been. And the emphasis on skill. The emphasis on skill. And then the Avs really, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this league handles goaltending in the future because the Avs have kind of set a blueprint over the last three years. that Going a little if, bit cheaper. If you're sure, good yeah. enough structurally, you can get really good goaltending yeah, out of it. you spend all that money, you, you spend $5 million on goaltending, you spend the other 80 on the guys in front of them. Yep. 
You can give that guy a comfortable environment to play in. Yep. You don't need him to be special. You don't need him to be now, special. Now, if you have one of those guys, you keep him and you pay him and you do whatever. You're fine there. Because it means something to have someone that can steal yeah, games. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's just easier if you have them. But if you don't, find a guy that fits your system. Find a guy that fits kind of what you do, how you play in front of him. A guy that you think is going to, you know, a guy that your, your scouting staff thinks has the tools to slide in and be effective as a starter and the mentality and all the, all these things that you like and you know, go from there. Now the apps have been good at it. If all the teams started trying to do this. Uh, well, but I, I think I, and, and, good, and good so luck. this is where, I, why I think that it won't always stay this way, but I do think this will be the trend over the next several years of try to get by with good enough goaltending. And when well, I also think that when you add in two teams, you have four additional goaltenders in the league that you're now, you're now spreading that sure. talent out even more. So you are talking about a couple of guys that maybe weren't in the NHL before mm -hmm. are, uh, you know, uh, Laurent Brassois is a great example of this, a guy that was a backup and a borderline ish guy. And now he's starting on a playoff team. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's, Again, the part of the reason why I think it won't stick this way, but I do think teams will try for the next couple of years, because we all saw like that Avs team, the the twenty two Cup champ Avs team, like that was such an elite roster, like yeah. top to bottom, all four lines, all three pairs, they all did what they were supposed to, they all chipped in the right way, they were all bought into the system. Like the third period of Game Six of the Cup Final to me was like the ultimate. Like you could, if, if people ask in the future, like, what was that team like? I'm just going to show them that third period. It's a masterclass and be like, count the number of mistakes you see this team make <laughs> trying to, trying to hold off a two time defending Stanley cup champ to win a championship of their own. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. And what I think teams will eventually realize, even the Carolinas who are, I think very good teams, very solid defensively that if you're not perfect, your goaltending does matter a whole hell of a lot. And like you said, the Avs made a couple mistakes, and that's where you got Darcy Kemper bailed you out because he's on the higher end of that just be good enough behind a good structure. And I think you're seeing teams like New Jersey. You saw it with Minnesota, to your point, Megan. I think you're seeing it with uh, Toronto. Uh, you know, the New Jersey, absolutely. Where when you do show cracks <sighs> and you, it is kind of a 50-50 coin flip back there, couple pucks out of the back of your net, and then these games are just starting to roll downhill, which I think has maybe been the craziest part so, for me is how quick games are getting away from teams. I, I, I do want to circle back in, but I, I kind of wanted to bring this conversation to this point of, yeah, for a long time, the NHL has been considered the league that has the most parity of the big sports. Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, due to RNG and randomness of the sport, maybe being a bit of an equalizer and, and all of that. But when when you look at this year's playoffs, and I know over the past few years, you know, a handful of years ago, there's the wild card chaos squad, all that stuff. It does mm -hmm. happen pretty often. But this year's round one, no sweeps, only one series that ended before six games, a significant number of game sevens. And now in round two, outside of the Toronto, Florida series, which we'll get to, you have a bunch of back and forth series like we we're talking about. Is the NHL the 
most competitive it's ever been. The road team thing is another stat you didn't list there, yep. which like road teams have had a phenomenal playoff so far through a round and a half. Maybe. Probably. Uh, what I, think, was I think the addition of two teams over six years spreads out that talent. Sure. And with the way that the expansion drafts were set up to make them more competitive. Uh, you're talking. You're not talking about. You're taking real talent off. Exactly. Teams now, yeah. Those are you look at. You look at Seattle's lineup, and you're like, dude, those guys were all important players elsewhere before they before they got there. Um, so you are talking about like they they. Those are two new teams that have, uh, you know, leveled the field a little bit because if you did a dispersal draft and you mashed all those teams, those players from those two teams. Back into the 30, you know, a couple of teams would really level up quite a bit. It's a great point. Fair. So, I mean, that it, it, I do think that that is playing a role in it. And I think that that, I think if other leagues are looking at that and talking about expanding, we've seen the NBA and MLB both have that conversation. This is one of the selling points. Is you say, look at this postseason. It's crazy. Yeah. This is, a, you know, in terms of betting, it's a nightmare. But in terms of entertainment, <laughs> it's it's great. Well, and... The other thing, too, AJ, because I agree with everything you're saying, and, and then I do think you also have to take into account the NHL is the only league with a hard cap. And the only league with a hard cap, there's no luxury tax penalty, none of that. There's no restructuring. LTIR makes it soft, but yeah. But, I mean, really... It's a lot harder at, than at, being able to cut $20 million. At the end of between each the, season. Between the seasons, it's by far the hardest yeah. of the caps. Right, I was yes. saying, and, it is and, the most stringent. And at the end of the season, really... The LTIR thing doesn't come into like that sweeping of play. It's just been the last couple of years. There's been some glaring examples, but I agree with you. It's it's the combination of the fact that you added two new teams, and you can only spend so much money. So like these yeah, two and brand this, new teams. The cap point is a great one too because it hasn't gone up in several years with right. the COVID thing. Yeah, and so you're talking about if if there had been no COVID cap. And, and the, the cap abs is were allowed 95 to spend, million dollars right they now. They would yeah. probably still have Brandon Saad, and they might still have an, a Nazem Kadri. Yeah. And how different do we feel about this av this most recent Avalanche postseason if they have those two guys in their lineup and and all the other injuries stay the same? All the injuries stay the same. How different is the is the result? Are Brandon Saad and Nazem Kadri the difference between one goal across seven games? Yes. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I, I can we almost guarantee we don't know that for sure. But you sure would the, have liked to have the way seen the them Avs, take that chance. The way the Av season one, Kadri breaks his leg and Saad breaks a hand in that series. Yeah, <laughs> and they probably do it in the same scrum in front of the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, don't Ka score. Kadri shot that like fractures his finger, hits Brandon Saad. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He ends up a block shot. Yeah, uh, but but no, just like the the COVID part. That's a great point, AJ. Like yeah. there have been a lot of teams that have been forced to kind of redistribute some talent. Just said we can't. Keep this guy. Devon Taves is an ab for a reason. Right. And and it's it's been interesting because I think you've seen teams and GMs like they've upped their their inventiveness. So like they've been able to remain competitive. But then you have a team like Seattle that really wasn't good last year. Yeah. And through free agency and trades and waivers and things like that, we're able to really add to their group this year. Yeah. And and, and like even Winnipeg, who really kind of got the most dominated in the, you know, <clears throat> of any team in the playoffs, like those games, like they, they weren't all bad games. Like they had the yeah, wheels come off from. A, a couple times, but yeah. like, like they, they were good competitive games. And a Jared, great double overtime game that swings that series, yeah. in my yeah. opinion. And, and Jared Bednar talked to us about it, Megan, with with Seattle. That it's a hundred point team. Like like the gap from the top to the bottom of the playoffs just 
isn't as wide as it is in other leagues. I think it's a combination of all of these things. Mm. The, the cap, the expansion, and honestly, more generally, technology. It's advanced stats being used yeah, in more organizations and tracked over time to figure out formulas, types of players, types of events in hockey that work for their team. The identity that they're trying to cultivate helps for them to scout players, I think, too. And also just in terms of this being such a rigorous sport, recovery and what sort of um, health options are available to players. I think this is something that a lot of athletes are really taking seriously around the league. I hear of a lot, of, I think athletes in general too, this is probably true, but I think it keeps the NHL competitive alongside these things just with technology improving because with goal scoring up on the whole, I, I think part of it is meeting a demand because goalies get bigger, they're athletic, the goal scorers then need to focus on their skill. And I think that there's just a lot of technology available for that to be something that they really dig into in the offseason. I, I think this is a great point. To use an example from the Avs, if you've been around for a while, you know I talk about this a lot, play you never see in the NHL anymore. Ryan Smith going down the left wing, winds up a clapper yeah. from the outside of off angle, Right into the goalie's chest 99 times out of 100. Yeah. And yeah, NHL teams just don't run that play anymore because they have is the statistics. wide yeah. because the guy's right. trying to pick that and, corner and it ends up a self-clear and is the Eric uh, Johnson special. Okay. Well, that's bad play. But you see, you've seen a vast reduction in plays like that because teams now understand this is a negligible scoring chance. Well, it doesn't yeah. count for anything. You would rather value the puck differently. Look yeah. at the, and look at the overtime winner in Florida, Toronto last night. Yep. Sam where Reinhardt. Aaron Aaron Ekblad makes that play up, and Sam Reinhardt instead of just dumping it in and going for a change controls it. Holds it. onto the puck. Outstanding place. It holds onto it. It's so good. It's so good. It's so. Good. I'm glad everybody appreciates the, the, this. It was almost like that, like a like a long give and go between Reinhardt and whoever it was that he rimmed that puck around to. Anton Lindell. Was it Lindell? Yeah. And then to give it right back, also, I don't know what TJ Brody is doing. I've never... <laughs> oh, defensively, you're like, what is Nothing. this? Hold on, let, let's, let's pause this. I, I want to come back to this because yeah, we'll I, I was it. watching that game with my dad, and my dad coached hockey for over a decade. I obviously played my whole life. We were losing our minds watching <laughs> we'll, Brody chase that we'll puck behind We'll get to that game. We'll but get I, to I just want to... Last thing on the, on the technology, I also... I don't think it has maybe as big of an impact overall as what we're talking about, but it, it, again... In the playoffs, you're talking about between the margins. I think about the iPads on the bench and just how quickly teams are able to make adjustments. Like a guy like Miko Rantanen, he's in that iPad after most shifts. Yeah. And he's looking at, okay, where did that break down? What did I miss? What didn't I see? Who was there? Who wasn't there? I didn't see that defender coming. Where was he? And it's just like this quick kind of understanding of like, oh, okay, they countered that play this way when I try to do it on that shift. When I go back out, if I get in that same situation, yeah, I'm not going to take that shot. I'm going to hold on to that puck, puck, reverse it back up. And just the in-game adjustments are, it's, it's unbelievable it's, to watch now. It's got to be pretty crazy to have the high camera angle of a shift you just took 30 seconds right, ago and be right. like, oh, this was what was happening. And you can start and stop it. Uh, yeah. and you can circle. Yeah, it's got to be nuts, dude. I can't even imagine. Uh, I can imagine starting my day off right with some athletic greens, though. Yep. I can't imagine you started your day off with athletic greens. <laughs> uh, dude, I've needed it lately, to be honest. All right, look, these days you got NHL hockey all night. Yeah. You got the Counter-Strike Major all actual night starting at 3 in the morning. A big deal. You've got the new World of Warcraft patch to play all day. <sighs> this is a really hard life being Rudo. <laughs> it's tough. It's say. tough out here. 
Okay? I need my athletic greens to keep me going through all of this video gaming. I spent all week going to bed at 8 o'clock because I didn't know what to do, but <laughs> should have asked Rudolph for advice. <laughs> Got stuff to do out here. And athletic greens is getting me through. You're right? You can take one scoop of it in your cup of water every morning. It gets you going. It gets your immune system boosted. A lot of athletes use it as part of their daily routine with workouts and things like that. Uh, you can check them out at athleticgreens.com slash avalanche to order today. It's got 75 different probiotics, a bunch of different vitamins and minerals, all sorts of other good stuff like adaptogens, which if you ask me what those are, I'd tell you I don't know. But the doctors say it's good for me. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Hannah, Hannah leaves the house four days a week at 540 to go to a workout class. And Why? every morning, bro, <laughs> every morning she like comes to like say goodbye and she's got her keys and her athletic greens. So at 540 in the morning, Hannah has deemed athletic greens are now. Like imperative to her being able to get her day started. So there you go. Someone who's actually healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's going to a workout class and she's still like, you know what I need? Yep. I drink athletic greens. So I'm like, I don't want to go work out. <laughs> Give me an athletic yeah, greens. That's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's the way. Uh, go check them out again. Athleticgreens.com slash avalanche today. When you order, you also get a year's supply of vitamin D just for buying. Look, so. I wouldn't recommend mixing in a Mountain Dew, but it would. You, you, you could get do your it. vitamins. Yeah, it still way. counts. Uh, the sugar is probably not great for you, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Mountain Dew with AG one. What kind of lemon flavor that I think might complement the Mountain what? Dew flavor? So I've told you guys we we put a little sprinkle of like a lemonade flavoring in there, and I I actually really like it. I do too. So you're you're telling me to put it in a starry is what you're telling me. Uh, that's not what I'm telling you, but like, if you put a splash of a starry in there, I'll bet you you would like it. Jesse Montano yeah. said specifically, <laughs> uh, check them out. Also, once you've got your AG1 in you, go join Volo. Use that. You got energy. You want to go play sports with your friends anyway. Volo is the place to do it. They're the biggest social sports company in the country. They've got literally hundreds of leagues here in Colorado. You name it from Aurora on the east side all the way to what's Morrison. Is that I think that's this that side like of the place. mountains. I mean, I grew up right next to it, so I know it's this side of the mountains. But they were here yesterday having yeah. some extremely intense flip cup. There you go. Competitive flip cup leagues, if you want that. Uh, they got bowling, I, they got I, football, they got it all. The, in the BSN days, we'd have to go, we'd do our shows at Blake Street. Not every show, but like we'd yeah. have shows at Blake Street. And every now and then, we would walk in there, and it would just be flip cup chaos. Yeah. And it was always Volo. <laughs> 60 people wearing the same Volo shirt. Yeah, yeah. Playing S flip cup. Screaming about flip cup. We're like... Uh, this is a BSN pod. I don't know what's happening yeah. back there. You can, can we not be near them? Yeah, yeah. Because they're, they're always super loud, having fun, drinking, yeah. and having a blast. Go check out Volo. You can use the QR code on screen or go to volosports.com. Code DNVR10 gets you 10 bucks off. Best way to do it, get the Volo Pass. It's 20 bucks a month or 200 bucks a year, and you can literally drop into all of their sports anytime, whenever you want. You just show up, you play some whatever sport, and is this Flip Cup a sport? I guess. Well, I, th I know Flip Cup comes. It's a game. At, yeah, Flip Cup comes at the end of after yeah. you go play whatever. Then you go sport play more is, you gaming go stuff, yeah, yeah, drinking yeah. with your buddies. Yeah. Um. Never played Flip Cup. You've never You've never played, played yeah, really. Flip Cup? I've never played beer pong either. What? That seems no. not not that I'm like out like oh you never played beer but that just seems improbable. I'm not. I, uh, it's inescapable. The flip I would cup like right. to not have surprises me more than the beer pong. <laughs> beer pong thing. Really? Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I, beer pong is more surprising me than because, like, flip cup. Like, I've been in rooms before. Where I was like, eh, I'm just, I don't want to play. But like, everyone's played beer pong. 
every party you go to, the list for beer pong is like 18 teams deep. And well, it's like, the problem is that you're going to parties where they're making lists for beer pong. Like, you just like. Yeah, that's like a pretty organized party. <laughs> yeah, What's yeah, up with yeah. that? What kind of. <laughs> all right. I guess I only went with? to Ragers where if you didn't have a list, the table oh, just gets well, overrun. Cool guy. Right. Cool guy Rudo only all going right. to Ragers. You know me. If it's not a Rager, don't invite Rudo. Anyway. The extreme scale of cool to not cool. <laughs> Oh, we've not played any of these <laughs> games. We know full well I fall Only on the not cool side. Trust me. Cool. Uh, Super chill guy right here, Rudo. No, hit up Volo, volosports.com uh, slash Denver today. Project X was based on Rudo's high school experience. Oh, God. Did you guys ever see that movie? I did. It's it was horrific. terrible. It was, it was one of the worst movies horrible I've ever seen. Horrible movie. I'd just like to apologize to Volo. This read has gone off the rails. Yeah, Volo is great. Yeah, they yeah, are I was gonna awesome. Say, yeah. <laughs> Well, this all started because you've never played beer pong. You need to join a Volo League, it sounds like. <laughs> uh, what are you trying to say? Second period. Also, you need to join a Volo League so you can play the, some drinking games. Of the DNVR games. Avalanche podcast. <laughs> I know, I know <laughs> we'll get to the Florida stuff. I know that's what everyone wants to talk about first. NHL draft lottery is tonight. Ooh, ooh, we just, ooh, we ooh, just ooh. talked about all the parody in the league. There's still a bunch of teams that are really bad. In the NHL. Oh. See, what's, what's actually funny is I feel like... The, I feel like the number of like really bad teams has shrunk, but they're way worse they're, than they used to be. When they're bad, they're bad. Yeah, there's... It's crazy to watch. We talk about the emphasis on skill, and we talk about the emphasis on speed and puck and all, this, all these different things. And then you watch the bad teams, and they have none of it. And you're yeah. like... Holy lordy, these guys are rough. You watched the Anaheim Ducks this year, and it was punishment. But we, so we had the conversation. Should I think it was we had the conversation on a show last week? I think it was the three of us, where we talked about how it really does seem like though NHL GMs have, and I think this is part of what adds to the parody, have figured out you have to commit to a rebuild in this league. It's really hard to just kind of tread water Halfway through it. Yeah. And so you end up with these like hard bottom out Anaheim seasons, but it's all with like the vision of like, we're bottoming out right now. And this is all very intentional. It was when you were talking about tanking, how front offices tank teams on the ice. Don't totally. And how so like the front office builds that team where it's like, yeah, you know, we're lacking speed. We're lacking skill. We're lacking creativity. We're lacking all these other things. But it's all with the idea of in two years, we're going to get a huge injection of it. And Anaheim is maybe a bad example of that because they have a ton of skill and just well, nothing else. They have a ton of skill wrapped up in two players yeah. in Troy Zegras or Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras. They're, they're one player. I like, uh, Troy like those two guys. And then a bunch of really young, exciting kids okay, like that Mason are on McTavish the way. I like McTavish yeah. a lot. Yeah, I like McTavish. I like, uh, I like Owen Zellweger. I like Jamie Drysdale. Like, there's a lot of talent on the way in Anaheim already, and if they get Connor Bedard, man, they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a big gonna problem. Be, this is why I'm very anti-Anaheim so getting here's, them. Here's my problem with this, and and I, I kind of think I already know Jesse and AJ's thoughts, so I want to get your thoughts on this, Megan. What do you do, and we're seeing the rules of this change a little bit when it comes to the draft lottery. The NHL has implemented a couple more things. What do you do when you have a team like Edmonton who seems like they finally come out of it, but we're bad for bordering on a decade, like worst in the league, bad over and over and over. When you have a team like Arizona that just can't seem to get themselves out of the depths of the basement, is there a solution there or do teams just need to be better at their jobs? Be better. 
does feel like there's misfortune wrapped up in this. Like I look at the season Montreal had and it was wrapped up in so much injury misfortune that I think it would have ended bad still, but not as bad as it did. But management absolutely plays a huge role in this too with Edmonton, honestly. It's like kind of an example of how I think getting out of this rut has been a lot of management-based okay. solution. Uh, so I, I do think be better, like AJ said. So front offices need front, to be uh, better. Front office be better. So I, I do think there there has to be a little bit of luck involved. Totally. Because of course. Of course. I, I, is everyone, is when Arizona everyone, loses the lottery every single right, year. Right, right. Uh, like that is the one. Like they had the best odds in the McDavid year and in the Matthews year. Like that that's crummy luck. But can we all agree... You need an elite player. Mm-hmm. Like to, to truly be a contender, you need at least one elite player. Oh, no. Is this going to be the next clip from those Seattle fans? <laughs> <laughs> you oh, need oh, an shit. elite player. Well, well, no, but what I was going to say. Guess who was, doesn't have one? <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say Team was. up 2 1 in the second round. It does help to win the lottery in the right year. Edmonton won it four it, out of well, six years, and they would eventually I, hit on one, right? I mean,. Take the abs as an example, right? Yep. When you have a year like the abs did this year, elite players are what stabilize you. Yeah, they get totally. you through the nonsense like Miko Rantanen did for a lot of this year, like Nathan 100%. McKinnon did for a lot of this year. Now, that being said, you need a little bit of draft luck, and Arizona has had none. Zero, dude. So yeah. the one thing is 2015, you do it to yourself. Yeah. And you have an all time great draft class. You take Dylan Strom third. Oh, sure. Yeah. In between Jack Eichel and Mitch Marner. Totally. No, even Noah Han- you know Noah Hannafin, uh, you you arguably take the worst player in the top ten <laughs> yeah. that year. Totally. So, th- but also the guy was unbelievable in junior. I mean, they also like I know Barrett Hayton had a good year, but yeah, I mean, you take Barrett Hayton over Quinn Hughes because you make the Dylan Strom mistake. Yep. Right. <laughs> because you're chasing a center at that point specifically. The same thing Montreal took Kokaniemi because it was chasing a center mm-hmm. instead so, of just taking Brady Kachuk and getting out of the way. So this is where you need a little bit of luck, but then you're totally right. Like, like you do have to follow the process correctly and you have to do your due diligence. You have to hit on those picks. And where I think we've seen, you know, I, I look back and I remember us actually all talking about it. I'm just verifying the year. It, it was, it was, it was 2020 when Arizona caught some lightning in a bottle. They were close and they lost their minds and they went and added all kinds of guys. They trade for Taylor Hall. And that was one of those things where it was like, you, you know, you're making a bad decision. You know, you're making a short term reward for the fans type of decision. And I'm not opposed to those types of moves. Like when we saw Columbus do it, but when you've been on the outside looking in your entire existence, you can't afford to do that. And you have to, you know, take some recognition and say, we have to stop. We have to slow down and we have to go through a couple of years where it's brutal. It's brutal. It's worse than it's ever been. But that's how we're going to get out the other side. And it's when you see teams like, you know, Minnesota, uh, I'm trying to think of some of these, other, Nashville that have tried to go around doing it the right way by just trading and signing for agents, shit like that. That's how you just get, end up spinning your wheels. Find me the last cup champ that wasn't, the core wasn't built through homegrown talent. And you're right, though. It takes decisions like parting an organization, like the Avs parting ways with a Ryan O'Reilly type of player who yep. was part of the core. Yep. 
in favor of building around something different, a different look, and it wasn't always clean living for the likes of Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog. They come into this team on some of its you know, difficult stages, the beginning of difficult stages, and that is then what this team is built around. Duchesne. Uh, Duchesne, wow, that's a huge I, example. Landeskog is an interesting one, too, because if you remember in his draft here, the Avs gets the second pick. Ryan yep. Nugent Hopkins is the center. He goes first, okay? Yep. Fine. They've got the second pick, though, and there's a number of guys there. Jonathan Uberdo just had an insane season in St. John's in the QMJHL. He had a, an unbelievable second half. They go on um, go on a Memorial Cup run, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And there's Gabe Landeskog there. Adam Larson is also there. They don't have a top-flight D in their organization. They don't have a top-flight center in their organization in a, in a, a draft top class flight. they don't have any d in their organization right at that but point. but you're talking uh, you're talking about i mean they would take one with they would i know they thought they were taking one with Duncan turns out Siemens they got them in the third round because but. they had they had two pick they had picks two and 11 that year they thought that they were didn't you know, work they out were going to, a, whole, but, a whole different topic for but day, they but. what i'm saying is they take the guy they take the guy in landis who had maybe the lowest ceiling of the guys in that draft class but he had insane intangibles and there was a there was a, a focus on leadership and being able to take them into a different and element uh, and, and, and having a face of their franchise. And he was a guy that could contribute right away, but was was going to be the worst like NHL player. And if right. you look at if you look at that draft class, it bore some fruit. Like well, you know, you have you have you know Mark Scheifele and Sean Couturier and guys like that come come from that same top ten. There were some great players there, but they prioritized. They took the wing, is what I'm saying. Yep. They didn't go chasing a position. They said, "This, this is, is a guy that guy. we think is yep, that fits yep. just the most important all around fit to our organization. He's going to do the most for us." And would you have loved to have seen what what the Avs could have done with Sean Couturier or Mark Shifley? You know, well, at, um, in that in that era when they had all this, when they had Ryan O'Reilly and they had Paul Stastny and they had Matt Duchesne, like it's it's, it's, it's oh, they were they were in the position where they could yeah, take the wing. They didn't have to chase. It's not a topic that we're going to get fully into today, but but this uh, is the mistake. I was going to say this, this is, is the mistake point, that yep. teams make is yep. they get there they, and they say they go chasing. We need a center, so we're going to take Barrett Hayden over Quinn Hughes. Yep, yep. And look, Barrett Hayden is finally growing up and he's starting to break out and it looks like he might be a pretty productive NHL player. But to a man, do you think that the Arizona Coyotes today would rather have Barrett Hayton? No. They would rather or have Quinn Hughes. Hughes. Yeah. Ten times out of ten. Give me a break here. Yeah. So I, I these are important decisions and they have shaped the league. And I have said this a few times, but the draft lotto tonight is a pivotal moment for the league. Because it is going to reshape the NHL over the next 10 years. This is such a top-heavy draft with so many high-quality players at the top of it that the top six picks could all be considered of some caliber, a franchise-level player, either a franchise-changer. You know, Bedard is a generational player. There's a couple of guys after that that are probably franchise players. And then you have franchise-building blocks that are very, very good, like a Sebastian Ajo level of guy. A guy that you could comfortably build around for a long time, who should be really, really, really good. 
we may need to come up with a new word other than generational because our generation has had like four of these guys now. It's just because people overuse that word. Yeah, it's because people get really hung up on it. But Connor I, Bedard is. I, I do think Connor I, Bedard is the best prospect since Connor McDavid. Transcendent talent, perhaps. Sure. Yeah, and and Connor McDavid was the best. Was the best since Crosby. Crosby. Yeah. Crosby. So that's what I'm just saying. Like I just I feel like my gen like for me I, what I consider my generation is yeah I've had Crosby or Ovi Crosby. McDavid and now Bedard, it's like, damn, sick generation. Well, and I think you you bring up yeah, Ovi and yeah. you have a really interesting conversation there because you talk about the lotto. You need to win. The, you need to get lucky in a lotto year. Hmm. Well, how do you feel? You know, Anaheim goes. Anaheim takes Bobby Ryan second after Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Well, Washington. You know, Washington and. Pittsburgh get Evgeny Malkin and Alex Ovechkin one two. They don't care who wins that one. Right. You come out with a with a world class Hall of Fame player, no matter what okay. happens there. All right. Let's let's reel it back into the playoffs here. We've gone off I'm the saying, rails. It just it, well, no, sh- it I, shapes all of this. Well, say so we weren't talking about playoffs. We were talking about the lottery, yeah. the bottom half of the league, and, and, and now struggling at the draft. Now we're moving on. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. Just stop a conversation mid-sentence to change topics, I guess. We've been talking in circles for 10 minutes about this. I think it's, I think it's interesting. <laughs> we're okay. moving on. And we're moving on because I've got a DraftKings pick of the week for you. I don't really have a pick of the week. I have a question that I'm going to pose to you. You won't get to answer it, though. You only get to answer half. No, you get to answer for 10 minutes. And if you haven't come you up with it. You said 10 minutes. I, yep. I get 10 minutes. You, you get, said it. You get 10 minutes to answer this question. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> June first. Does date, Kyle Dubas have a job? Yeah. June first. June first. April, May, June. Yeah, Pittsburgh will hire him, hire him by then, right? <laughs> he honestly, fair point. <laughs> I don't. I don't at all think he's gonna be if if. If they let him Toronto go. Toronto moves yeah. on from him. I don't think he's going to be out there for long. Yeah. I, I think there's going to be, and rightfully so, I think he's really, really good at what he does. And I think there's going to be an organization that snatches him up, and he'll do well for that organization. Will he win them a cup? I don't know, man. But he, he, I'm, he, going, I'm also going with yes, but I think it's in another but city. But not in Toronto. Yeah. Megan? That's interesting. I mean, I was going to say I think he remains in Toronto, but I, I don't hate this idea of if they move on from him. He still has a job. I just well, we need to get into that series next because I have all kinds of shit to say. This is a a tough second round, like, but they did slay the first round dragon. Next question: If they win zero games in round two, were they even really in round two? Is this a read? I can't tell if this is a read or not. I don't know how much to interrupt. This is a read. Okay, you can interrupt all you want. It is a read. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I don't know how to read. You, just, you bury the lead <laughs> too well on you can read chat. Uh, if you want to go for some money, you know what? You can pick Florida sweep Toronto in this game four coming up. You get pretty good odds on that. You get way better odds two games ago, but you still get pretty good odds on it for them to finish the sweep against Toronto. Go over to DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the DNVR code when you sign up. Yeah, bet five dollars in any NBA playoff game. You win the bet, you get hundred and fifty bucks in free bets. But you can spend on superfluous, crazy pools, like whether you think Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe will get fired or whether something else crazy will happen in the NHL offseason. I don't know. Very specific. Weird stuff. I, I, I forget. 
I can't even name Lots of prop some of the coaches out there. Yeah. Well, who will Bruce Boudreaux get hired Ooh, this offseason? A lot of options. Yeah. A lot of options out there. Uh, do it with DraftKings, whatever you bet on. Doesn't even have to be hockey. You must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See the show notes down below for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And it's all void in Ohio. Also void in Ohio, illegal Pete's. Because Ohio's not allowed to have nice things. Oh. Uh, the illegal Pete's isn't in Ohio. It's, it's here in Colorado. There's 10 different locations here. So you should go get it here. Including one just a couple blocks from the DNVR bar. So you can go grab yourself a burrito. You can come down here. You can watch whatever sports you're feeling. Whether it's uh, we had our F1 watch party the other day. Mm-hmm. We had uh, obviously the Nuggets games that are still going on in the playoffs, which are crazy watch parties too. Mm-hmm. Either way, Illegal Pizza is the place to hit. Before that, they have happy hour from three to six p.m. So it rolls nicely into whatever you're doing here at the bar. Check them out. Get a delicious burrito today at Illegal Pete's. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. All right. Oh, does Ohio even exist is going to age horribly by 6 p.m. tonight if they end up winning the lottery. <laughs> yeah, Columbus, very good chance to, to do that. You see me just hit myself in the face with this? Mm-hmm. I was just going to let it go. Were you acting out the series <laughs> no, that I, I Toronto went to, I played? Went to, <laughs> Basically. <laughs> uh, look, it's the team to talk about right now. Are the Florida Panthers the favorite to win the cup today? If, if you had to pick a team today? No. It, no? Is it the Vegas-Edmonton series for you? It's still Edmonton. Okay. But I think it could be Edmonton-Florida. It's, I so refuse it, to give Carolina credit. Who I, I refuse. The, the conversation, like the national conversation around this series has been so interesting and really just these whole playoffs, it's, it's just been a nice reminder to me, or maybe a lesson, I don't know what you, but like, like market size means something. Because like Seattle is a bigger sports market than Colorado just by the numbers, or by, than Denver just by the sheer numbers. So a lot of the national attention was, look at this upset by Seattle. And then in Boston, it was, look how hard Boston fell apart. And now it's, oh, what's happening to Toronto? And like, no one will talk about the Panthers. And the fact that they're playing phenomenal hockey, we talked about it at the end of the week yeah. last week, they're a really, really scary playoff team because they have that like underdog Cinderella story mentality where they're just kind of like playing fast and loose and house money, yet they have really high-end elite talent like at the top of the roster. They won a President's Trophy last year. Like They're just a team that when we talked about on the show last week, like, not did we sleep on them of like, oh, people just forgot about Florida, but like, fuck, maybe we all just forgot that this was a really, really, really good team one season ago. We just watched the first 60 games right. of the season yeah. where they were sure. so a team mediocre. Weaked into the playoffs in the last two days of the yep. season. Yeah. That <laughs> took Pittsburgh losing to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To get in. To get them yeah. in. Well, and then, so here's, here's the part where the conversation does get really interesting about Toronto, and we were talking about Dubis and Sheldon Keith. So they win the first-round series, and everyone's, you know, it kind of feels like, oh, okay, now you can breathe. And we, there's been a track record of teams in the past that once they finally break through that wall, that they're unstoppable. 
the Avs last year, Washington is the other one a couple of years before that, you know, they, they finally beat Pittsburgh and you just knew they weren't going to lose the rest of the way. And I said reverse. I said, I actually, when we were doing our prediction videos, I said, I would love to pick Florida because of the big emotional boost that they're going to get coming out of that series. If they weren't playing against Toronto, who was also coming off a big emotional boost. Right now, it looks like I had those flipped where it's like, damn, that's too bad that Toronto happens to break through the wall and, and they're going to run that. into another yeah. team that is very good on this huge emotional high. We also had that exact conversation of, would you be surprised if Toronto fell apart? And we were like, no. Right, right, right. Of course and, not. And this is where I do think it comes back to Dubas and Keith. They break through. If, if they lose in four or if they lose in five back on home ice... I think both those guys are gone. Their contracts aren't being renewed. I I think Keith's gone for sure. Because really, if they don't win a cup, I think Keith is gone. Like I I think even if they come back in this series and then lose next round, I think Keith is gone. Uh, But if you get out of the first round, you finally get out of the first round, you finally slay that demon. If you get swept by wild card two in the second round, it basically means nothing. It's tough because the context of that wild card too matters here because mm-hmm. of what Florida is. And I don't think Toronto's falling apart in the second round either. I think Florida is just so experienced and geared for playoffs, very well constructed. Because one, Toronto experiencing a Samsonov injury, game three is bad news. Honestly, yeah. this is where things really kind of, I think it's a deflating moment in that game. And you look at the still the construction of these teams side by side. And I, I still think Toronto is well-constructed in other ways, but the goaltending was already a question mark. That definitely is a concern, but you look at even just the scoring production of each Florida's scoring is what has surprised me the most. Uh, Toronto has six players that have five or more points in this, these playoffs with the heavy lifting being done by who you would expect Matthews, Marner, Riley, Florida has 10 different players with five or more points, but they're also having Kachuk and Verhage doing the heavy lifting. And what I like about them is their commitment. They're engaged shift by shift, full effort, and they're a good second period team. No matter what happens in the first period, they always lock it down at least through, I mean, we're early into these playoffs, but this is where I see the experience shine through. And this is where I see them close out games with a play like what Reinhardt did in the OT winner. It required experience, patient, you know, high IQ, highly skilled play that I, I think comes from experience too. And that's where I think this Florida group, it, it took me a little bit by surprise and it all points back to experience. Well, and, and what you said there at the start, Megan, is actually why if I'm Toronto, I'm really concerned about what's happening because I agree with you. I don't think the wheels are coming off of Toronto at all. I just think they're getting outplayed and that's a problem for how much tinkering you've done to this lineup. Now, being down to just Sam Stonoff and not having, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much better you feel about Matt Murray. And now potentially being down to Wall, is it Jacob or Joseph? Joseph. Joseph Wall. Yeah, now you're at a point where it does feel kind of crappy. Um, I said 30 seconds before that puck goes in last night, I was watching it with my dad, and I said, God, he's having a really hard time tracking pucks. I said, that's the third time I've seen him. You just kind of see him make himself big because he loses it. And then he completely lost it on that Reinhardt play behind the net. Yeah. So like that is a point of concern, but I actually agree with you. I just think they're getting, they're just getting beat. And that's the concerning part. If I'm so, Toronto. For, for the record, games one and two, Toronto does a pretty fair them. amount of outplaying yeah. them. And, and Bobrovsky 
sure. is your equalizer and, and, there. And then in game three, uh, Toronto went away. And, and this is my ace in the hole for Florida. On any given night, you could look down and that ace could be a two. But historically, we know Bob Roski can play at that yeah. level. Mm-hmm. You get a lucky month and a half out of him. Right. He's won two Vesnas. Like, yeah. like if you get that stretch. He's had a really underrated and weird career. Because <laughs> yeah. well, he has a couple Vesnas, but he's also like, ever since he got to Florida, everybody's like, you gave him what kind yeah. of contract? Yeah. But also this was a guy that was like, like a nothing, like had this insane start in Philadelphia. Yeah. And then was left for dead and resurrected in Columbus. And it's just, he's such an unreliable, like if there's anything that makes you nervous about Florida, it's that guy. It's, it's He's peaks and valleys only. Yep. Yeah. There's no middle. <laughs> it's crazy that that guy is, it's so, it's so drastic with him. And then the goaltending with Toronto. Yeah. It, was, it, it, it is was the one thing that I don't know. We, we had this conversation at the beginning of the year. And, and I feel the same way <sighs> about Toronto as I do with Edmonton. That I really do just think that it's... Look, if, if you have bad injury luck and you get down to your third goalie, there's nothing you can do about that. Everybody's third goalie sucks. You know what I mean? Like, I get that. And that's maybe the situation there right now. But we said... All year, the four of us sat here on different shows, different moments, different games, different weeks, whatever, and said, it's just shocking to me that both in massively pivotal seasons for the franchise, Edmonton and Toronto were willing to roll the dice in net. Fully roll the dice. Darcy Kemmer, people looked at as the abs kind of rolling the dice, but like that dude had an entire career that said, that's eh, a pretty safe bet. Philip Grubauer had a career that said, this is a pretty safe bet. Both those teams went with goaltenders that they were like, ah, the history isn't great, but we'll try. When Toronto goes with two of them. Right. And Edmonton kind of goes with two of them. The, and, and the guy they that they paid all the Stuart money Skinner, to is not yeah. playing to for the them. Bench, right? yeah. it's, Which I know people like, like are loving the Stuart Skinner like story, but it's like, that's actually a bad situation. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, it's like if, if, if you gonna felt like guy that too? guy... If you felt like that guy was there, then you should have gone and gotten like a Samsono. Right, like right, a right, right. What the hell are you doing? Going five by five. And now you're hoping this that. This is the number one reason I don't want Edmonton to win the cup is because all of the dumb shit right. that they Dude, have done. Oh, yes. That they have that they have done where they're going to, if they win a Stanley Cup, it's going to get rewarded. And I don't want that. <laughs> Bro, and that, I don't want to feel that way about two unbelievably transcendent talents in McDavid and Dreisaitl. For over a decade, the Edmonton Oilers have stepped on every rake that has been placed in front of them. And somehow they're like, what? Huh? We're, all, we're the Stanley Cup favorite? It's like, yeah. how? And it's like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl just keep getting better. And it's like, <laughs> right, stop! Right. Stop! Leon, at this point, Leon Dreisaitl is like yeah. single-handedly. What is this I, version of Dreisaitl like? <laughs> We saw him glued together by rubber bands yeah. in the Western Conference Finals. So to be fair, I shouldn't be surprised by this at all. It's just like a whole new level. Well, but I, I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before. Whenever their game two was against Vegas, and I said, I, I keep, I tweeted out, I said, I keep saying McDavid to Dreisaitl on the power play. Like, that cannot continue to be a winning and formula. Yet. And here we are. <laughs> like, maybe it is. Maybe it is. They're almost at a, set, they're almost at a 70% clip. On the power play. How does the team not just two? sell out to be yeah, like, right. we're not allowing this bullshit? And, and Leon like, Dreisaitl is not like, beating us. Everyone in a Vander Kane can sit in front yeah. of the net by them damn selves. <laughs> right. We are not allowing this. 
to happen. Because, like, as much as I do think that their depth chipped in more than we've seen in the past in that first round, like, it's still extremely yeah, top-heavy. Leon Dreisaitl has 13 goals, and right. we're in the second round. The NHL record is 20. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's just crazy that two players continue to get away with this, and I'm with you. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to see an organization rewarded for such incompetence, but they happen to back. And by the way, Dreisaitl's like, what, third overall? Yeah. yeah. It's nice to see the Oilers get some luck at the draft, eh? Yeah. No Gen- shit, a superstar dude. player falls four, in their lap at they three. They have four first overall picks, and then the third overall pick is the one that is killing for them. them. Right, yeah. right. And, Give me a f- and, All right, and, now and, that and, we're talking about this, I'm getting hey, new to by the way, point season. Right. He turned out to be, <laughs> you know, he this. turned out to kind of be a bust. But Jesse Puliyarvi, that was also like he was the consensus number two, and then yeah. uh, you know Montreal goes off or Columbus goes off the board, and it's like, how much more could this horribly incompetent organization just continue to back their way <laughs> into good fortune? And it's the number one reason why I'm. It's my only tinfoil hat. You will never convince me the NHL draft lottery isn't rigged. The NHL okay. puts players where they want to put them to help so, certain markets. So you saw that NHL tweet today, right? No. Where they tweeted out Philadelphia winning the draft lottery? No way. Did they really? Yeah. They tweeted like, it out it with him accident? holding. They tweeted out him holding the card with the Flyers logo on it, and it got deleted. Oh, boy. And so if the Flyers win it tonight, the script talk is going to take an – it's going to take – Get taken to another level. Oh shit! I didn't see that. I didn't yeah. see, see that. that well, I was gonna ask us to put on our I, tinfoil hats better, and guess what if the well, Flyers so, so lose? Yeah. I'm going to Philly. Well, yeah, yeah. With the Flyers. But but so now, so like, if it is Philly, this will further because that's a that's a bigger market, East Coast, like, and a team that doesn't want to rebuild, right? And a team that doesn't want to rebuild, and and it's an important franchise to the NHL. There's a lot of history there, and like, so if it does go that way, like, see, you know what I mean, like, but. All this, I'm with you. Oh, on was Edmonton. it not a real tweet? Okay, cool. I got got. <laughs> okay, all right. All you right. got Doctor Grittied. Hey. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I'm cool to get got because this is what happens when you take a social media break and you're not on it literally all day. Oh, anymore. did Gritty tweet it or something? I'm or assuming, I'm assuming you got Doctor Grittied is what that says. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming it's 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 like a flyers drill. Well, I was gonna say like the Gritty tweeting that from like the Gritty account would make sense. That would be funny. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was just a screenshot of an NHL tweet. I, either so. way, either way. So good. Um, back to these playoffs. Okay. Uh, I didn't have this to ruins, really This ruins all the fun that it we would have had. <laughs> I know. Well, I just we started talking about Edmonton, and it just got me. I wanted the me. script. Uh, well, dude, it, hey, if Philly does win tonight. Great moment in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Gritty scriptwriter confirmed. Dr. Yeah. Gritty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's Pulling this uh, Bro, this is, the writer strike is going on, so they are bringing in new people. <laughs> Doctor Gritty is apparently available for hire. But no, it's just it's it's crazy to watch. Living in dry, a world where Doctor Gritty, Drysidel, and McDavid continue to just drag Edmonton, Do kicking and screaming. Things, yeah, because yeah. like honestly, like straight up, we we're talking about like Stuart Skinner has not been good in these postseason. Like yeah, he has I not mean, been good in these playoffs. I just, I hold on. No, we we need to go back to this rigged thing. What about it? Because I I can buy it with Sidney Crosby yeah. going oh, to Pittsburgh. That was, give me a break with that. One hundred percent. I don't understand why they would put a generational player in Edmonton to go rot. 
like well because they had already given them three other kicks yeah the yeah they're like we it, tried to bring back the Gretzky and Messier glory days three times you get one last yeah, shot that's at too this. many that like when they could go put that player in LA or New York and like boost their profile way better no, than see, Edmonton Batman Batman was trying to get rid of the anti-canadian narrative oh my god so he gave he gave McDavid and Matthews. Dude, how tall is this tinfoil hat? To I Canadian mean, markets and back to back. I don't believe any bro, of this, bro, dude. Are, I think this really, is all are, stupid. Are, are you really going to say that Toronto isn't, as much as people hate it, the most important market in the NHL? No, of course it is. Yeah. So, and, so and Edmonton uh, wanting a superstar it's there. Among them. In, in yeah. Toronto, you can sell me on the Matthews one. Yeah. I'm here for that. Uh, it's the McDavid one it's, that it's, I don't it's think the, is. It's, it's the McDavid and Gretzky thing. It's, I just don't. Yeah, so it's, they were the, they were staring down the barrel of Buffalo or Arizona, where you're like, eh. All right. So if you're going this far, should we take it a step further and just say that Taylor Hall's the scriptwriter and he just writes the first overall pick <laughs> for his team all the time? Like that was just somebody's like Easter egg that just they they just kept writing it in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the team with Taylor Hall gets the first overall pick. Yeah, yeah. And I just can't believe they took it again this year. Nah. <laughs> trying to see how long it would take till somebody caught on. Yeah, that's all it was. <laughs> well, and, and oh my god. And then the, he went to Arizona, and they were like, "This can't happen." Literally, they they won the draft lottery, and like the first commercial break was like the great one, the next one, how the Edmonton Oilers. It's like they already had the nicknames written out. They had this promo cut together for this shit. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just the, the draft lottery is the one thing. And maybe they don't even ring it every year. But when they need a player to go to a certain place. I love this idea that they just like pick and choose years <laughs> to ring. Like last year, they were like, who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, we don't give a fuck. This is a down year. We'll give it to Montreal. We'll yeah. give them a cookie. It's yeah. in Montreal. Well, no, we'll just. Great just let, story. Great that, story. We'll let the chips fall where they may to, to, you know, maintain plausible deniability. Yeah. But then as soon as the right guy comes through, like, oh, so, that'd be really helpful in Toronto. So uh -huh. Let's pull some Whoa. levers. My thought is that it's someone in the NHL that hates Gary Bettman. Not to mention, there's also the year, was it the McDavid year? Where the one ball came up and they just threw it out <laughs> and took the second one. And the first one would have been, yeah, one of the smaller markets. Like, uh, not that one. <laughs> This ball is the one that actually came oh, up. Buffalo? Yeah. My bad. Edmonton, can you believe it? It's like, what the fuck? No, but Ohio, I, I, that's not real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy basically just tossed it over his shoulder. He stopped just shy of like, Could you ah. imagine if like he just kept throwing like three balls away? Uh, like, that's not Edmonton. That's not Edmonton. Oh, completely, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it's completely so Right, right. Because like, this. and that's, I, I think that's why they went to the number system. Because like, how... Who's gonna verify that watching live on TV? The numbers that come like I can't believe they were just decided they were like this needs to be way more complicated. Right. I, like, I don't I don't get what happened to pull the ping pong ball with the logo. Yeah, like really the, and now you've got because like, then they could spend a, a week saying room, and now they have the Well Toronto and, had the highest odds after three numbers. Right, right. <laughs> I anyway. Plausible <laughs> deniability to make it more complicated than you can understand. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk more about this tomorrow because anyway, it'll be after the draft series. lottery. Uh, yeah, just the playoffs <laughs> in general. I, I like. I know it sucks. The Avs aren't in it, and this is an Avs podcast, and all of you are Avs fans. But I'm pretty good with it at this point. These yeah. playoffs, yeah, I'm, I'm same, and it helps that these playoffs have been awesome. They've yeah, they have been. They've been great. <laughs> like honestly, I, I was talking about this. Maybe it was even with you guys off air. How like it, it does suck for Avs fans. Because what a storyline, eh? Like Seattle 
Second year well, of expansion. Thing, like, coming in a wild card spot. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to be mad and salty and like get that get the proper hate boner for Seattle. And I'm just like, this is a great story, and I love watching them right. play. Knock, knock off just, the defending cup fine. champs. It's game fine. seven, electric. At, I've talked to you guys all about this off air. Like electric atmosphere yeah. in Seattle. And that's great. A great crowd. It's a great sports town. Man. Great I sports just town. Don't, I can't hate Seattle. Like the, every just, everything about this is like if <laughs> for Avs fans, it's like. If it was any other team, you would love this and you'd be yeah, openly rooting be for them. My only thing is, is I don't want Kraken fans to turn into what Vegas yeah, fans please, turned into. Please don't. Uh, they got the they got that taste of success and felt entitled to it. And it was just like now everybody everybody hates Vegas for a reason. So I think them having a really Sergeant bad Pickles first year. Watching, man, please don't. <laughs> I, I think since they had a really bad first year, and like I even talking to people in Seattle. They said that, I guess, by the end of last year, like, it was tough. Like, fan engagement was way down. Mariners were in full swing. Uh, you know, and that's a big Mariners town. Yeah. Well, and uh, the, the Mariners were, well, they ended up good. They didn't start so, so right, hot last right. year. Yeah. But so, you know, they had, they, the Mariners had hype. a good backstretch. They made the playoffs for the first, or in, and they won a round for the first time in 20-something yeah, years. They, made, they, they had, I think, the longest... Um, one of the longest playoff droughts in pro North America. Yeah. I, pro sports. Weird that both the Mariners and Kings ended it within a I, year of each other. I yeah. will say, I, and I said this to one of you the other day, my one pang of regret here is I would like that. it yeah. looks I'm like Florida it. and Carolina are on a collision course for the Eastern Conference Final, and I'm looking at those two teams coming out of the East, and I'm like, boy. The Avs could have done it. Bro, well, right. I mean, like, that that was Colorado-Florida final. Do you yeah. remember those two regular season games? Those games were great. They were balling. I, I saw someone way at the beginning of the show trying to dunk on me for saying the Avs could be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Yeah. Cool, man. And, Next and, time, we'll, we'll let you do all the <laughs> prognosticating. I'll, 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 and uh, you can go ahead and predict that an Avs player disappears through the series <laughs> and that Kale McCarr gets suspended. Yeah, go ahead, man. Predict the future. It's well, real easy, my man. But like th this was, I was on uh, with Romy Bean the night before the playoffs started, and this was I was what I laid out. I was like, look, as with every run, things have to go right. I was like, but if the Abs and I said if the Abs can stay healthy, which duh, they did not. Uh, <laughs> if they could have stayed healthy and you could have gotten these guys back, and Valentuchkin doesn't disappear and all that stuff, I was like, there's a path. And then the East is just going to be such a bloodbath that you have no idea what's coming out the other side of that. Mm -hmm. I was like, even with the way this season has gone, and I stand by this to this day with the abs out of the playoffs, there was a path. No, like, dude, there, absolutely. There was a path back to a nut, like to repeating for even this version of the abs group. Just everything fell apart yep. over the course of five days. And there's nothing you can do about it, but it's going to be crazy. I think we're going to end up with a Stanley Cup final that nobody expected. And if it's Vegas, Florida... I'm going to try to get a Stanley Cup final credential and just go bounce back and forth between two dope-ass <laughs> cities for two weeks. Oof. Oof. Uh, maybe I'll do games one the, through do, four. Do the Vegas Do the games. one travel yeah. each time. Just, just yeah. do yeah, the yeah. Vegas games. Uh, I'd go to Florida. I, 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 like, I like Florida in small doses. You got to go to Sunrise, though. Nah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not wrong. <laughs> if it was back in Tampa. Oh, for sure. No one, no one would be able to stop me. I'd just be going. I'd be like, yeah, I'm covering this or something. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it's been fun. Uh, the, it is the draft lotto tonight, so we'll definitely talk some draft for you guys tomorrow. It should be 
the start of a lot of draft coverage. We and might a as lot well just of... start our draft coverage tomorrow. Right. That's what, into it. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. We man. should just start it. So that's probably what you have coming forward. The Evs do have a first round picks for now this year. So we'll be talking a lot about that too. It should be fun. Any uh, final thoughts before we wrap this one up? We have a super chat. Oh, we do. Yes. Wow. Uh, $5 from Vaguely Sober, who says that Malinsky article was fire. Megan wrote that one yesterday. It came out. Go read it if you haven't yet. It's fantastic stuff from her. Thank you, Vaguely. <laughs> Boom. Uh, yeah. All right. I guess we're out of here. We appreciate all y'all a ton. Uh, we're still live five days a week. Rain, snow, sleet, shine. Honestly, we're probably more consistent than the USPS at this point. Studio or StreamYard. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Touch. Nailed it. Also, change my name to Rudo. I can't stand nope. looking at my actual Take name. Take us out of here, Nathan. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>